here. Oh, oh, go, oh, uh, oh, again. That was synced up, boy. That was all right. <laughs> that was all right. That's a lifetime of chemistry, baby. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode uh-huh. of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, Jonathan, and Brandon. And boys, today we are going to recap UFC Vegas 62, which was headlined by Alexa Grasso versus Viviani. Arujo, I can't say it. John. Arujo. Viviani Araujo. 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 I can't do the R thing. I can't. Boys, then it's time. It is here. It is UFC 280. Fight week. Uh-huh, and we are uh-huh. going to get you guys set up with all of our picks and predictions for this massive pay-per-view, which is headlined by Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev for the lightweight title, and Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw for the men's bantamweight. And of course, we'll have all the news and happenings in the world of mixed martial arts. But first, boys, episode 101, the Dalmatian episode, we are here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how we doing? How we doing? 280 so big, man. Miley's in here. Yeah, my, my dog joined us. She's like, what? You guys finally 280? I'm in. Just about took out all the wires right there. I had to come down and yeah. do a little damage control. But yeah, she, no. She's old and excited. Boys, how are we doing? Um, I am so juiced. I am so ready for you. Especially when you think, you look at like the past like three weeks, not to say that they weren't good fights and we had some off weeks, but it's just like you've been building up for this and it's finally here. It's crazy. And it's nuts. It's not going to be a long night. Because it starts at 2 p.m. So yeah, that is true. Um, have to mention right off the top, we just finished recording our Matt talk with the one and only Sean yeah. Connor Fallon. It's a banger, baby. Sean, for people that don't know, is an Indianapolis native who is making his Bellator debut at Bellator 288, November 18th in Chicago, Illinois, against Brandon. I don't. I can't pronounce it. The the undefeated Daggy. He's an undefeated Daggy. John, what is his name? Starts with the last name starts with an A. Imam Shafi Aliyev. Aliyev. That was close. The undefeated Daggy, who, not even to mention, trains with Habib Nurmagomedov, and from Mm -hmm. that massive camp, he's undefeated eight zero. We just talked to Sean, got his thoughts on the matchup and um, this whole journey, man, that he's Mm -hmm. been on. Uh, Great talking to Sean every time we get the chance. um, We're honored that he shares his time with us, and um, especially now so going into this massive fight. Um, And you guys are going to want to hear. We talked about the matchup, you know, how he found out about it, a crazy training session with – GSP, John Donaher, Gordon Ryan. Yeah. You know, we talked about uh, Corey Anderson, who mm-hmm. main events this card for the Bellator light heavyweight title and how he's been training with them and how that all came about. Hacky sacks. So, hacky sacks. Uh, burps. Doorknobs. Doorknobs yeah. that scare you and burps that might mm-hmm. get you a little excited. Yeah, right. <laughs> so make sure you guys. Tune come, yeah, tune in this Wednesday for our Matt Talk with Sean Connor Fallon. Um, we kind of talked about maybe just attaching it to the beginning of this episode, but felt like with UFC 280 and there being so much that it would have turned into a two-hour episode. Yeah. So still two hours for us today on a Sunday afternoon, but right. we decided to break it up a little bit, and I think it's the best because gave him his time and um, giving this massive pay-per-view. Couldn't be happier well. for somebody either. You yeah, know? just a good dude, man, and just deserves it. And like I said, he's always been awesome with us and, and, and super gracious with his time. So, uh, John, before mm-hmm. we get into this, 
rate, sub, follow. Let the people know. Listen, all my people with iPhones, get on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Give us a review, or you're going to have to deal with Brandon giving you Christmas gifts. Mm, you don't, don't want, want that. that. No, no, you don't want that. He's going to give you like all left socks or something like that, or he's mm. going to give you cold rice, and it's not going to be good. Pencils and rulers. Yeah. <laughs> Protractors. Uh, I got you an almanac. Yeah, collection of encyclopedias. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are the ones before they took out the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you got Spotify, <laughs> definitely give us a five star rating as well. Um, all these things help us, man. If you guys are on social media, which most people are, Instagram, um, and also TikTok, yep. Neon Belly Podcast, also Twitter. Sorry again, like I said last time. <laughs> but yeah, you know, just you know, we're posting some content even just on our IG stories. It's not getting posted everywhere else. Yep. Um, so just tune in, man. We're we're doing so much more. It's starting to get bigger for us. But the only way we can keep doing that is if you guys keep helping us and pushing us up toward people so we can grow. Absolutely. And um, the Sean Connor Fallon interview will be uploaded to YouTube in its entirety. So if you enjoy consuming that kind of stuff uh, in video format, also you can check out our YouTube Neon Belly Podcast. You can go there right now and watch the Heisem Rita one as well. So mm-hmm. which highly, highly advise that. Um, man, we're just getting so lucky. We're just yeah. really getting to talk. That's to what some, I'm saying. We're just getting big, yeah. man. <laughs> we're just getting some really awesome people that are willing to give us time on a Sunday for some yeah. reason. <laughs> we don't deserve it. We're not worthy, but we'll take it all yeah. day long, Thank every you. day. Listen, now we're getting to that friends group where it's like. Our friend groups against yours. You guys want to fight? Because now we got Sean Fallon. We got Heisman Rita. Yeah. It's, it's getting bigger. Let's go. So. Yeah. Boys, before we get to this massive UFC 280, though, have to recap this last Saturday's UFC Vegas 62. And boy, does it deserve some time because Alexa Garasso defeating Viviani Ujo via unanimous decision. This was a fantastic fight and credit mm-hmm. to really both of these ladies for looking great in their first five round fight and credit to Garasso for winning her first uh, main event um, and boys I'm not saying that Alexa Garasso is ready to go toe to toe with the goat Valentina for five rounds but what I am saying is when she lets her hands go it's different and it yeah. looks a little different than the rest you right. know what I mean in a good way um, and though I felt like Ada Ujo's punches were landing a bit more you know she obviously comes with the power and was getting you know some big reactions actions from Alexa when she would land it. Ultimately, for me, Garasso's volume, precision, all that attached is what won her this fight. Um, Viviani was even able to take Garasso down a few times, but every time Garasso, or uh, yeah, Alexa, I mean, found a way back to her feet. Mm-hmm. Man, there was one time where like she just like hip heisted or like switched her hips. I don't even know what it was. It was like early in the fight, but just crazy. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Man, woman, nothing. I mean, just... Right phenomenal phenomenal ground Uh, and just the ability to get off her back like i said with a massive lady like viviani who is very proficient in brazilian jiu-jitsu as well Mm. um and i think Grasso to me continues to look like she's improving and getting better every time and in every department every time we see her Mm -hmm. i mean just really really blown away by that just that fight in general as whole from both ladies but ultimately one of them was going to come out the winner and credit to Grasso. Yeah, I mean, so for me, on some level, I think uh, Viviani got a little kind of lulled into trying to stand up with Grasso, and, cl- and clearly, um, you know, she was very outmatched. Um, Real quick, because I think that's a great point that I didn't think about. Do you think that was because she was landing such significant power with, with her shots that maybe she felt like she was winning in those exchanges? Yeah, you know, I think that for her, because I kind of talked a little bit about, it, I think, being a little bit of the bigger the bigger woman on some level, right, because um, Grasso's coming up, I think maybe she thought the power yeah. would kind of translate a little more um but it just you know precision 
is it precision beats powers and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, Grasso was just able to land a lot more accurately and kind of roll with the shots a little more. And um, even, but even when Viviani did get it to the ground, which is where I thought she would have her best moments. Me too. We talked about it as well. Like you said, Grasso's ground game is not, she's no slouch. She's I mean, she's better. constantly improving and she showed it again last night with a lot of those escapes, which um, were, seemed a little unorthodox, but they worked. Like she was able to get up to turtle from some awkward positions and, and just, get right out and start going with the hands again. So great, great performance by Grasso. Um, really belongs in that division. I mean, she showed it with a pretty pretty dominant performance there. Yeah, and I mean, like, and even attached to that, John, is another thing, is maybe the shots weren't hurting Ara Ujo, where maybe she felt like she was winning the fight because it was like, you know, these shots are nothing. But, man, the way Grasso can stack combinations and just tag up women, it's like, even if they're not hurting, she's going to win a fight that way. Mm, Every right. nine out of 10, if you stand in front of her like that, you're going to lose the fight because man, just, I mean, I think they were even saving on like just so tight and everything's so smooth, man. And I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's really incredible. Yeah. And for Viviani, I think she also, you know, there's a level of needing to, it's five rounds. You have to have that energy going sure. through five rounds, especially when you realize that you're hitting this girl and you're not taking her out. She's hitting you. She's not taking you out. Yeah. And then she started getting her, her takedown stuff. Yeah. She was only two for That's ten. Good point. That's a good point. And she was only she only had like a minute or maybe two minutes of ground control. So yeah. it's not like she was even able to keep it in her realm very long. Sure. So when you I think when you start realizing, oh, I'm gonna have to use the other side of my game, then you might be stretching out some of your energy because oh, i I can do the ground stuff even when I'm dead tired, but you're not gonna be able to strike with somebody like Grosso if you don't have that type of energy. Sure. And for Alexa, I just thought I do think the takedown defense later in the fight. Um, being able to get back up, like you guys said, and then just not being afraid of the mm -hmm. bigger, you know, kind of power punches and walking through them, setting up multiple punches. And then like that flurry at the end to have that, you know, fifth round is close. I need to go for it. And then she just lands four or five really big shots at the yeah. end. Even when she's getting held up against the cage, she's still hitting her to get her points because she knows how important this is because that's four wins in this division for her. Yeah. And I think Chikagian is the only one who has that many in a row. Yeah, that's a very good point. And before we spin it forward, um, the only thing I will say with Garasso is moving forward, because I do think that, you know, she is that good. And like Brandon said, belongs at the top of this division. She's going to have to find ways to finish fights, <clears throat> you know, especially going up against somebody like Valentina, which mm -hmm. if the goal, which I'm pretty sure it has to be, is to be a champion, a world champion, that's who you have to be. And you know, they even said it on commentary, you know, the thing that separates like a Grasso from a Valentina are faints. And, you know, that's one thing is mm -hmm. Grasso does just kind of stand there and, you know, she doesn't faint a lot, doesn't move a lot. And like, you can't just stand, you know, in front of Valentina like that because she's going to get her offense off as well. So, mm -hmm. but she is getting better every time. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, they watch the fights back with commentary and I'm sure that's something her and her team are going to, are going to focus on because like you mentioned, that's four straight now for Grasso. Um, as we are recording this, she's currently ranked <clears throat> number five, although I have a feeling by time yeah. the rankings come out next week that she's going to have moved up a couple spots. Mm. Every fighter currently ranked above her holds a loss to Valentina Shevchen mm -hmm. Shevchenko. Hard not to think that Alexa doesn't hold a very strong case for the title shot next. Um, but I did not like that when asked last night by Paul Felder what's next, that she just kind of was like, oh, I'll just leave it up to the matchmakers. I trust them. Um such an unfortunate waste of time there. I mean, you just won your first main event. You know, mm -hmm. this is a big moment. And I felt like they really kind of teed her up there um, to kind of make her case and call for that title shot. Mm -hmm. um, so 
you have the wins, you know, you have the rankings. Um, sometimes you just got to put yourself out there and really sell yourself, especially with a huge fight coming up in this exact same division this week on the main card of the biggest pay-per-view mm-hmm. of the year um, with Chukagian and Fior. Um, so you have to make that statement, and she just kind of let it go. I mean, great performance, made a statement mm-hmm. with the fighting, but sometimes, you know, we know in the UFC, they want to see you make that statement on the microphone as well. So, yeah, and, it, and it might be tough. You just had a really hard five-round sure. fight. Uh, you might just be thinking like, hey, I just want to get back. You know, her team might not have said before she walked up, hey, make sure you bring yeah. up that you want this. And some people, it ain't their personality either. Yeah. And we do know that having that personality is what can get you there quicker, sure. having those mic skills and calling that shot. But that's what I'm saying. I think sometimes yeah. you just have to put yourself, you have to step outside that comfort zone, especially when there's so much competition. Yeah. Well, And I think maybe also real quick with Valentina, maybe you're just like, I don't want to poke that bear. If I get it, I get it. I don't want to be the one who was like, I'm ready for the champ. I'll take her out. Yeah, I mean, maybe... Yeah. <laughs> We don't know. Obviously, we're not her, but maybe there's a level of she kind of thought, you know, maybe she wants a couple more before mm-hmm. she gets that shot. I don't know. Maybe, it's maybe just she wants to be able to finish. True, but it's just stuff. like kind of by proxy. There's not really much else she can yeah. do, What's, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go beat at Jessica Andrade or, you know, something like that, but or go fight her, but it's like you – I guess my thing is, yeah, if she feels that way, fine. Give her another fight if she wants it, but, like, you're right there. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody in front of you – like right now, it's four four fighters in front of her. All have lost to Valentina recently, <laughs> yeah. right? For sure. But I'm just saying, like, and now she's gonna be. I'm sure she's gonna move up to possibly three. So you're talking even fewer opponents. And mm-hmm. then with Chukagian and Fior, like I said, you really have felt like the performance was excellent. But you got to sell yourself on the mic a little bit harder yeah. for that title shot and really get people to believe that you can beat and you're ready to beat Valentina. Whether mm-hmm. she is or not, I guess, could be the question. But nonetheless, great performance. Mm-hmm. Honestly, good fight from both ladies, but congrats to Grasso. And boys, the next fight, Jonathan <laughs> Martinez defeating Killer Cub Swanson via second-round leg kick TKO. Oof. I think they literally dubbed it as that, and it deserves to be. Those are my favorite. They're amazing. <laughs> um, close first round until the end when Martinez lands a big knee that set Cub down with about 18 seconds to go. Follows it up with a big one to the body as Cub went to stand. And I felt like Herb Dean could have stopped it there. Nobody probably would have protested much. Mm-hmm. Um, but credit to Herb for letting a veteran like Cub you know, see a next round and get through it. Um, But then Martinez comes out in the second round and just gets all over Cub with the kicks, the Mm -hmm. elbows. Eventually sends Cub back to the mat. Didn't really drop him. I felt like Cub was, maybe the damage was kind of done there in the first round. Probably still from that body shot was feeling it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cub would find his way back to the feet um, at the end of the round. But then Martinez just starts hacking at his legs. And Swanson just eventually falls down. Mm -hmm. Um, Had had enough. I think there was like two or three solid ones in a row. Mm -hmm. Go back and watch him if you didn't see him. Yeah, just listen to those bad boys. Yeah. Nasty. Uh, Martin- he didn't even adjust it. Cub didn't even adjust his stance. No. I, I don't think he had that in the game plan. And Martinez's leg is just a, a limb. It's just a log. It's just, it was crazy. And I followed it up with some shots that really weren't even necessary. <clears throat> not, you know, I'm not criticizing mm-hmm. that. But, you know, the fight was over. When Cub mm-hmm. hit the mat, he was not getting back up. Right. Um, so, yeah, man, credit to Jonathan Martinez. That's sh- three straight wins for him now. Yeah, he's. I mean, seventeen and four, and um, like I said last week, Cub Swanson is a good resume win. Sure. I mean, I don't know what's left for Cub at this point. He's he's had a really good career. It's tough when guys, you know, like we talked about with Hooker. You know, when you experiment going down in weight and then it fails down there, it's it's really tough, man. Because where do you go now? Mm-hmm. 
you know, yeah, at 38 years old, at 38 years old, for sure. For and he's had some injuries, man. He's, I think, I don't know if it was the same knee, but didn't he have a real bad knee injury? Yeah, he was out a for years a ago? while. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I'm sure I have to believe there's still fights out there for him if he wants them. Um, but I mean, yeah, I just didn't really, it's just, what do you say, man? There just wasn't much in there for Cub where I felt like he had a chance really to ever, even even when you talk about Cub's power, right, which is, mm-hmm. which can be equalizing and can change a fight. Um, it's different, like Brandon said last week. I mean, give you some credit for that. I guess it is a little different when it's against a 38-year-old Darren Elkins, even though he's like a log in somebody's backyard. Don't forget it. Um, but, man, when you see the difference in, in a young killer like yeah. Martinez, it's just it, – it really is mm-hmm. tough. So, hate to see it for a guy like Cub who – absolute legend. I mean, especially when you go back to, like, his WEC days. Uh, really became a huge fan of him back then. Um, Martinez, though, did call out Dominic Cruz who uh, was on commentary and kind of said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Um, That's four in a row for Martinez. I do think he deserves somebody good. Sorry, I said three. Um, I think that may be a little too sweet for Martinez right now with Cruz, to be honest. Um, That's not to say I don't think he's necessarily good enough. I just think if he wants to commit to 135 pounds, he's going to have to show the UFC that they can trust him to make that weight. Mm -hmm. You know, he's gone back and forth between bantamweight and featherweight, but has missed weight at bantam before. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Weight cut definitely didn't seem to be an issue here. I thought he looked great, um, great performance, but we know that a lot of times the UFC can lose trust a little bit. So probably, especially before you get a fight like a Dominic Cruz, they're going to want to see him make weight again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you think 35. he's a good matchup for a lot of those top guys? It's though, interesting. From how he's looked his I, past couple. I, I definitely would not be against him getting a top 15 opponent next. I know mm-hmm. that. I yep. mean, it's, it's hard when he's 4-0 and then you beat... I mean, like you said, Cub's still Cub, but to beat a guy like that in that type of performance... Give it to him. Yeah. yeah. Somebody rain. Boys, the last fight that we are going to talk about, unless you guys have any more, Dusko Todorovic defeating so Jordan crazy. Wright via second round TKO. This fight was just absolute chaos. Uh, Dusko overcoming a pretty tough first round with some setbacks, but then came out in the second round and just started landing bombs on Jordan Wright and credit to Wright man who hung in there as long as he could but uh, eventually the ref jumps in and kind of saves him from Todorovic's punishment there Uh, any thoughts on this Wright outlanded him like 50 to 10 the first round (laughs) it it would look like it was about to be over Todorovic goes for a leg lock starts getting pieced up yeah comes out the second round and that Wright I don't think he's ever been out of one round no so no, to, I think when it went to the second, they said this is the longest fight of his career. So after getting outstruck by almost fifty strikes the first round, Tavorovich comes out and lands like sixty to right ten, and then just pours it on. I'm like, so I, nuts. I don't even know how he even got to the get to the finish because yeah. he threw like seventy punches like in a row. Right was just eating, everything. never stopped. Like <laughs> just kept following him, hitting him, hitting him, body, body, head, head, like. It, it was the craziest turnaround yeah. I think I've seen outside of like, you know, big turnaround like knockout wins. But to be outstruck that bad and then come out and do the same thing to that guy is yeah. just crazy. Yeah. Kind of gave me those. Who did Schnell just fight? Oh, uh, that crazy uh, one. Sumudarji. Kind of mm-hmm. like it wasn't, I wouldn't say that big, but it kind of fit the feel like yeah. that. Was just kind of a crazy comeback. Like one of those things. It's like, ah, this is one of the things I love about this sport, man. Like you just never know. Yeah. And so. Just- Violence ensues. Um, boys, before we do move on from Vegas, UFC Vegas 62, have to mention, unfortunately, probably the best fight on paper, at least for this card, Askar Askarov versus Brandon Royval um, fell off the day before the fight because Askarov missed weight. This is the second time Askarov has missed the 125-pound weight limit in the UFC. 
have to think, boys, that his next fight's probably going to be at 135 pounds. Um, you know, we've seen the likes of Lineker have to do a similar thing for the mm-hmm. same problem. And, you know, it eventually saw him out of the promotion. So, but I don't know what other option at this point the UFC is going to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think thirty. I think he could do some do well at thirty five too. I think it, the wrestling it, helps. Yeah, I'm. And I don't know. It's kind of tough with some of the twenty fivers though. You never know. Like they're yeah. just genuinely so small. Um, but if it's something they kind of push on him, you know, and he does it right, yeah. um, You know, who knows? Maybe. And you know. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. John. No, I was, I, was gonna, gonna, I was gonna say something else about. I was just gonna say it. It is unfortunate. And, you know, they talked about this. You know, previously with some of the other title contenders they were giving to like a Brandon or a Figgy where it's like you don't know what's going to happen with the weight with somebody like Askar. Sure. And it is unfortunate because he doesn't even seem like big for the weight class as much as far as like when looking at him missing weight. Like it's not like he's a guy who looks like, oh, man, this dude's a bruiser. Right. I don't know if it's something to do with his camp or just having trouble getting like he maybe doesn't cut weight as well as other people. I don't know. And there is good matchups with them going up, but there's also guys who are bigger than him that are cutting down in there. So when you start talking about that, it gets a little bit sketchy um, for some of the matchups he could have. And it's interesting, too, because if you look at Askarov's record, he's had to pull out of a lot of fights, too, for undisclosed reasons. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I'm always a little weary when I see that and then when you start seeing it added, added up a lot because I think he's had like at least three fights where he's pulled out for undisclosed reasons and it's like not saying that we need to know every little thing or detail about these guys' lives but it's now you start to see with the weight problems it's like well how many of those where he was weighing like 140 pounds before the fight he was just like yeah he's not going to make the mm-hmm. weight you know I mean you, we don't know I'm sure the UFC mm-hmm. knows um, I think his next booking is going to be very telling of that because I just have a feeling John, I think you mentioned the Lineker thing is we've seen it. And yeah. I think there's just what other choice do you have? Because he's at the top of this division, right? This 125 mm-hmm. pound division. But you cannot book him anymore clearly for a top fight at the top of this division and bank on him making weight because you yeah. just don't know now. Well, and then you have your, your previous performance where you kind of just didn't have the same look that you did as far as how you're approaching the fight. And obviously, Kaikara is a great fighter. Sure. Um, you had to get that in there, didn't you? Yeah, okay. and then there was no way. And then to miss, happen. and then to miss weight on top of that, it didn't even make sense. Like, no, I'm saying you didn't look yourself, and then you, you know, miss you weight. Didn't, you didn't look at yourself. Obviously, Kai Car is a great fighter. Um, go. I mean, he is. He just fought for a title. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but and he lost. Didn't yeah. mention that part, did you? No, he did, but he got there. Askar Askarov hasn't even got there yet. You should have mm. said Kai Car, great fighter, lost his title fight, but nonetheless got to a title fight. <laughs> if we're gonna do, get that. I don't want to do this, but if we're gonna do this, Askarov actually took Moreno to a draw. It's a good point. Moreno finished in his Kai UFC Kar. debut. Nonetheless, draws don't count. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love it. I love it, John. Don't change. I never, uh, will. boys. Before we move on, though, Brandon with Askarov Roy Val falling off. Um, only one fight we picked for here: the Araujo Grasso. Um, was up for points. So we know one person picked Araujo, and that's our leader, Brandon. So that's right. No so points there. Update little, us on our score. A little closer. Um, John, you got one point because you picked your third-round TKL. Mm-hmm. So you're at 57. Nate, you got three because you picked the unanimous <sighs> decision. So you have 68, and then I am still sitting at 72. So <gasps> we got a four-point split from first mm-hmm. and second. John, you're just kind of hanging out in no man's land, so. Are you? We'll we're picking every fight on this card. So, well, I was actually <laughs> Are we picking every fight. Thanks for bearing the lead there, John. I was actually going to sh- surprise you guys. Um, John's joking, but we are literally picking for about five. Yes, the turnaround, baby. We are going to pick for the entire main card and 
Bala Muhammad, Sean Brady, which is on the prelims. Mm-hmm. Um, we could have went more, but I want to shake shift. It's time, Brandon. You're sli- you're slacking. You're falling. I think you're losing focus here at the end, and it's time for a new leader. I think you're trying to rewrite this as if it's not a desperation attempt from the two of you. But fair enough. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I feel like you haven't gotten points in a week, and somehow you keep getting points. So what? <laughs> we, no, we we still don't. We're not. We haven't had anybody to verify that. Uh, yeah, hey, there's nothing stopping you two from going back and trying uh, to. Well, there is. Well, there is at this have, point. There's too much. Too much. To but uh, we're gonna shake things up, boys. Um, this week could change everything. Yeah. I mean, I, John could be the winner. So here's how we're gonna do this. Um, the three that I told you guys about, we will pick as usual fighter winner round method. So possible three points. The rest of them will just be one point because we're just, just gonna pick the pick winner. winner. Yep, just a winner. So um, one point possible for each of those, but enough to shift a little bit, especially with me and Brandon. Mm. I'm ready for it, boys. This Saturday, UFC <laughs> 280, bow, bow, the bow. biggest pay per view of the year. This card, as John mentioned, has a special start time of 10 a.m. in the east for the prelims and a uh, pay-per-view start time of 2 p.m. in the east. Brandon, how are you feeling about that? Rough. Yeah. My kid's birthday that day. Oh. We've got uh, some zoo <laughs> trips planned. Can't. Don't know how it's going to shake can out. Can you, like, legally change your birthday, like, through <laughs> the system? <laughs> anymore, you can do almost anything. I'm just saying, so. you might need to switch that up to, like, the next day or something. Yeah. Don't say we didn't tell you about the time change, but I'm telling you, turn this thing on at 10 a.m. Because I believe the first fight is Jolington Almeida versus uh, Shamil Abdul-Rahimov. So, I mean, come on. First, for a very first fight on a prelim, let's yeah. go. Um, and... Um, the reason for this start time difference, excuse me, is because we are going back to Fight Island, boys, a.k.a. Yaz Island in mm-hmm. Abu mm-hmm. Dhabi. And before we get to this massive, massive card, you know I got a little fun fact about Abu Dhabi, boys. Um, the word Abu in the Arab language actually translates to father, while Dhabi is the word for gazelle. The name Abu Dhabi literally translates to the father of gazelle. Um, and it's thought the name came about due to the abundance of gazelles in the area and a folk tale about a former leader who would chase them. What's the former leader's name? Uh, not even going to try. Okay. <laughs> you can look it up. You <laughs> guys can gazelle. look it up. Didn't quite understand it, but it sounds like they don't even really know <laughs> what it was named after, but it is the father of gazelle. So mm. Abu Dhabi. Um, and since this is such a massive card, I figured I would do one more. Um, because obviously Abu Dhabi is one of seven emirates in the UAE, and with that comes the laws of the UAE. And one of those laws is is it is illegal to have a dirty car in the UAE, any of their emirates. Um, cars are seen uh, to be disfiguring, dirty cars, I mean, are seen to be disfiguring the city image and public health. As a result, they are routinely towed away with owners being slapped with fines and impound fees up to 3,000 dirhams, or $817 USD. Dang, isn't it like a desert? So there's a lot of sand and stuff going around. It's a lot of pressure. Out of all three of us, raise your hand if you're getting a fine right now. I, I haven't been in a while. I've literally <laughs> never washed my car. No. Zero times, promise. Uh, it's going to rain tomorrow. <laughs> Zero times. I do the same thing. Really? Never. Why? Never once. Why? I literally have a monthly membership. For what? I mean, but you're you got a brand new car. There is absolutely zero. I've, all my cars, I've had them. There's yeah. zero functional value to a car wash. Absolutely oh, zero. Oh god, this pod. That's a fact. Don't care. We're, yeah, we're gonna move. Zero. We're gonna move on because this car is gonna t- this winter salt Indiana. What? And you wonder why your car 
does the thing that it does. What's it doing? That's done. Let's fix. So <laughs> next up. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I took care of that. I take care of the, the, the real <sighs> issues. All right. We're going to get back on facts. We got, we got a big card, boys. Okay. UFC 280. Brandon, set us up for this lightweight title main event. Uh, all right, guys. So the this is the most interesting stylistic matchup in my opinion, of the year. Um, so a couple things on these guys. So Charles Oliveira is riding an insane win streak right now. He's on 11. Um, he And we're, with, worth noting there, too, he's finished every single opponent he's faced, with the exception of Tony Ferguson in that little three-round affair, which he dominated. Um, Who, interestingly, with a win, he would tie for the longest active win streak. Yes. he Char, Char, Charles Oliveira has looked unstoppable in his run um, since his loss to Paul Felder. Mm -hmm. um, we had the little mishap with the weight um, in his last fight with Gaethje, so technically not the champ right now, but everyone sees him as that. Um, and then comes Islam Makhachev, who is riding a 10-fight win streak right now. Mm -hmm. um, e looked equally as impressive. Um, knockout wins over Glace and Tebow, recent win over Bobby Green. Um, but I did a little looking into his, his record, and from my knowledge, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong on this, the only win he has against anybody inside the top 15 is against um, Armand Sarukian, mm -hmm. which was an early win for him. So it's aged yeah, very Armand well. Armand was not ranked at that time. Correct. Right. If now he is. That's what sure. I mean. Right. So that, that win has aged very well. But um, that's kind of his biggest win up to this point, 100%. unless you want to throw in Dan Hooker or Bobby Green, um, which were both kind of my knowledge late replacement fights for him mm -hmm. so anyway um that's kind of the the story for these two leading up into this and then we get into the stylistic fight um we have charles Oliveira, who is a submission machine who has recently taken a uh into his own in from in the form of striking dropping gagey um dropping chandler i mean he's he's a he's just a monster on the feet with mm -hmm. teep kicks his combos his stand-up has looked fantastic mm -hmm. um and he's now running into Islam, who is just grinding everybody out. He's, mm -hmm. he's getting on top of everybody, submitting them, um, smashing them, much like Habib, but with his own little spin, I would say. So the question as to how this fight's going to go, it's anybody's guess. But this is for the light heavyweight championship, which is currently— Lightweight. lightweight. I'm, I'm sorry, lightweight championship. Oh, my gosh. Yes, lightweight <laughs> championship. Two um, podcasts in one day. Yeah, it's man, good. it's a lot. It's good. <laughs> um, but it's it's currently vacant because of the mishap with uh, Charles's weight— um, Mm -hmm. My take is whoever wins this is going to hold on to that belt for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's that's the fight. That's the the arguably biggest fight of the year up to this point. So I actually want to ask you guys off the top. Mm -hmm. um, I've been saying now for a couple of weeks that I think Oliveira looks big. Yeah, um, and that has not changed. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty close to this fight. Um, and I'm thinking like possibly bigger than I think we've ever seen him a couple of weeks out from a fight. Um, given that he did miss weight in his last fight. Any concerns concerns from either of you guys that he might miss weight here? Because it's just hard not to consider it at this point. Right. I would say, based on what it cost him to lose the belt for that last fight, I imagine his team has seven different scales all getting tested daily, and he's stepping on every five minutes. I hope, because he looks big. Because you can't mess this opportunity up. Yeah. Like, not only are you chasing, you know, like you talked last week with, like, the BJ Penn stuff. Um, you know, how close he's getting to 
a really great level as far as a goat. Yeah, it's on the line. You can't mess this up, and his team knows that. Yeah, and you've been calling. You know, this is the fight for your chance to you know rattle Habib. Maybe look at trying to get him out. Like, there's so much that can come from you winning this, and you know, to you, it's a, a road fight, whatever. Because with Islam being training in Abu Dhabi and having such a a big following there, so I feel like there's no way that they oversight that, and they're not constantly. Monitoring. Dana's probably in his hotel room every night with his own personal scale. Get on it right now. Let's, you know, I I don't, I don't, it's not an issue for me. I think the, I I don't see how him, Dana, the UFC, I don't see how anybody lets that happen. Cause it, and it wasn't like Oliveira missed it by like three pounds. It was, what was a half a pound? Mm. Yeah. It was off line. We'll know it's up if they start trying to tap it and they don't just go, yeah, Yeah, (laughs) it was really close. So it's not a big thing for me. Yeah. And this weight gain could be a good thing. You know, this could be a calculated thing, and he's just trying to get stronger for a big, strong, daggy wrestler. Mm -hmm. Um, Very possible. Next thing I want to ask you guys, because I considered this, and at first I said no, and then when I thought more about it, I said, yeah, it is. On paper, is this the biggest lightweight title bout in the history of UFC? Because my question, what I thought instantly was Conor Habib. What was bigger than Conor Habib? But I'm talking, when you think on paper going into this, um... You know, Connor was coming going into that fight with a win off of Nate Diaz. I believe he was one in his last two or three at mm-hmm. the time. Um, these are genuinely two titans. I mm-hmm. mean, for lack of better words, both on phenomenal historical runs, both dominating. Um, as Brandon mentioned, maybe Islam not at the big, the highest level. Fair, then that should be judged, but still running through guys. I mean, to me, I just can't help but feel like this isn't the biggest lightweight title fight in the history of the UFC. Yeah, Islam had a similar trek to Habib where it's like he's not fighting the guys that people maybe want him to see or the bigger like ranked guys until he got to the top. Um, and I do think it is interesting. I think the problem with like kind of how we talked about yesterday with or last time with the buyer sells, Connor is just such a polarizing figure that to fans, I don't know if you get bigger than that fight, but to fight fans, like the actual fighter I think, to fighter, and I think that's more what I'm meaning because yeah. I understand the numbers might not like <clears throat> it might not do more pay per view buys than Habib Connor, and I completely understand that. I'm just saying on paper, yeah. stylistically, statistically, where both of these guys are at in their career, everything that's going into this fight for what's on the line for both guys, we've talked about with Oliveira. You know, this could be potential goat status. I'm going to discuss some things here in a sec about what this could mean for Islam, but you know. Everything going into this, does yeah. this just feel like no, the biggest? I, I do think so, and I think it is because Charles has now been looked at as the guy who probably, you know, he could, he could have gave Habib the, the, his L. Or even with Islam is, on the other side of that, is like you might be able to take out the guy who was the last one outside of Tony sure. Ferguson and they thought was that. But then also you do have like the, you know, for Connor and Habib, you thought about, oh, well, if Connor gets taken down, that's it. Mm-hmm. In this fight, that's not the same right. thing. You yeah. know, the only difference is I do feel like Charles has a very hefty advantage in the striking as far as taking strikes and giving strikes, but it's not one of those things to where it's like, I couldn't see a world where Islam takes some of those punches and is still able to institute yeah, his game. I, just, I think I, they're close everywhere. I don't think the striking is as different. Like, just from watching some stuff this week, I don't think it's as different as people think. But go I, ahead. No, yeah, I think it's the biggest, and I think a lot of this speaks to uh, Oliveira's streak. You know, look at who he's beaten, man. And then then you put Islam in front of him, and it's like you kind of said, you know, it's Islam's chance to take, a, Islam's chance to take out the guy. Um, yeah, that's kind of where this is for me. Sure. You know, it, sure, sure, Oliveira's been through everybody, so at this point, pretty close. And so then he's this is kind of one of his, not final, obviously, but his biggest test to date, sure. which is interesting given Islam's 
lack of tests, let's say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So I still think it's just that big. And I think going into this, Charles Oliveira deserves a ton of credit um, for for a lot of that because you know everybody has kind of felt like Islam's not long for the title, right? But and whoever was holding it, you know, it was almost like could have been like musical chairs. Like whoever was holding it when uh, Islam got there, it was like bye bye, good night. Mm-hmm. And Oliveira has elevated himself to a level now to where it's like oh no this is a close fight like mm-hmm. this is literally either guy's fight to win mm-hmm. um but last week we did kind of discuss like goat status and stuff for Oliveira, so i don't want to go back into that um but i would like to discuss what a mean a win could mean for islam and the pressure also that he could be feeling going into this um because since habib has retired he's basically made it his personal mission to see that islam makachev take his place as lightweight champ right Mm -hmm. and you know finally this saturday they get their chance to make this dream uh come true and if islam were to lose it would mean all that work all that talk over the last two years is basically a failure at that Mm -hmm. point Mm -hmm. and if you don't think islam knows that going into this you're crazy i bet it's kept him up at night yeah. I mean, letting Habib down in that team. Not just Tab- not just Habib, Habib's dad. His dad, like, yes. That, that's a country. big thing, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, Those the guys country. fight for a lot of different things. I mean, even, you know, yeah, and even from, you know, a, a more religious standpoint, which I'll get to in a sec, but if he wins, if Islam wins, he gets to pick up that torch and start building his own legendary title run exactly where Habib left it, um, and he will get the chance to start that title run against arguably one of the greatest lightweights to ever do it, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad way to start your title reign, um, and doing it not necessarily in his home country or hometown, um, but in an area predominantly Muslim, right? And mm-hmm. uh, a part of the world where that's a big deal and it's a massive thing. And he is going to turn himself into a massive star overnight. I mean, he's already huge in that in that world, but he is going to you know put himself on the main stage. He's going to turn himself overnight into a huge star for the UFC. And like I said, literally picks up everything Habib left on the table, right? You know, we heard about the, the Abu Dhabi basically willing to just throw Habib whatever they wanted to get him to keep fighting there on Yaza or in Fight Island mm-hmm. and, and the money that, that Habib left, I think Islam picks that up. All mm-hmm. of it. You know what I mean? Um, so I just think it's important to remember that is like all the pressure isn't just on Oliveira, not the champ, but kind of the champ, right? Is mm-hmm. um, There's a lot for Islam. I'm sure he's feeling it as well. You know, mm-hmm. it just and these guys have uprooted their lives in Dagestan for political reasons and things going on in their part of the country, and they've relocated themselves here in Abu Dhabi, which I think is a big thing going into this fight. But there's just a lot on the line here for both guys. So mm-hmm. I just I just want to put that out there because mm-hmm. I do think that's an important aspect as well. Who do you think has more pressure, real quick, Oliver Islam? Ready, say go. I, I dude, everything about this fight is you can make one case for both. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I think like, it's Islam. That's what I. Because Charles has came from, he turned his whole career around. Maybe because everybody and he's he doesn't have that. Oh, he doesn't have in the experience. I just like he's just beat you know Chandler first and Gaethje Poirier sure all for a title five rounds you know and then and for Islam if he beats I feel like if he beats Charles he has a better win than any of Habib's have been in his whole career yeah. Because Charles has beat all the guys minus Connor that Habib beat as well. It's an interesting argument for sure. But let's get to it, boys. It is time. John, who are you taking for this pick? Lock it in. I'm taking Charles Oliveira by second round TKO. All right. I really just can't believe that it's finally here and that we actually have to make a pick. (laughs) 
Um, because, I, like I said, there's just no way I think you can genuinely say with 100% confidence that you're picking this fight in either direction nope. because there is an argument to be made for either of these guys in every aspect of this fight, the stand-up, the ground game. Um, that's how closely matched this fight is. It's insane. Um, so I think for me, going into this, this is the only logical way. And even with this, there's things that I could probably argue in both directions. I started looking at circumstances outside of the fight. Um, and while I do think Oliveira is extremely motivated and ready to win this fight, um, this for me, ultimately, as crazy as this might sound, but this is, I think, what I've resorted to, it comes down to geography. Um, <laughs> I can't get out of my head that people who have traveled um, out here to Yaz Island have talked about how brutal that travel is. Oliveira will have only been out there. He's out there now. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Islam obviously talking about it like should I be worried because he's not out here yet you know what's going on you should have been here um, but he'll have about two weeks out there to have acclimated which isn't terrible um, but Islam's been living out there for like a couple months now mm -hmm. um, and I think that's big I do I don't think we can undersell that is it is, I mean just because everybody that travels over there says it's brutal um, and with me having a bit of concern with Charles's weight because I do a little bit going into going into this I'm going to go Islam Makhachev, third round submission. Um, and let me say that's really tough for me to even say that out loud. Uh, because I genuinely believe Islam has never faced anybody remotely as good as Charles Oliveira. And like we've talked, just talked about. I mean, it's right. just, so it's even crazy because logically, if I was going with my heart, if I was making a lonely heart picks, I would go Oliveira because I just sometimes for me it comes down to who I think has more ways to win the fight, mm -hmm. um, which I do think Oliveira does. But then, like I said, you just start making arguments for everything. That's how mm -hmm. crazy this fight is. Yeah, this I, this was a really tough one. I feel like Brandon's me. changing his mind right no, now. No, no. I, I, um, um, uh, I, I watched a lot of the anatomy uh, of... Habib. <laughs> what? I've watched a lot of the uh, embedded... Or not embedded, but like the anatomy of fighters, sure. like those kind of clips. Coming into and it. I just... Something... Maybe I'm reading way too much into what I'm watching, but something about Islam's sparring footage. I Like he was sparring with... Uh, the guy fighting in Bellator, November 18th, uh, Usman. Usman. And Usman was just working him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just have a feeling that that pressure you talked about, you know, I, th I do think Islam think, you know, that's going to be in his head this oh, whole sure. fight. And again, I just go back to Oliver's been there, man. He's been rocked yeah. by Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, and he finds a way to win. And I don't think Islam has that striking threat. I do think he has the ground threat, but Oliver's comfortable down there, man. So I think that... Uh, I think Oliver is gonna gonna be very ready for Islam, um, and the confidence he's bringing into this too is just on another level. So I'm going with Oliveira, third round submission. So this is where we're gonna start arguing because I, I like what I see, like what you're saying about the ground game and the and just the confidence. But I also, in the sense that I don't think Islam has ever faced anybody like Oliveira. I don't think Oliveira has ever had anybody like Islam on top of him either. And I also don't think that Oliveira can allow himself to get dropped by Islam. I don't think Islam's going to let him off the hook. I just, though he hasn't faced anybody of the caliber, when you do look at the guys that he has beat, he's beaten them in, he's beat them in a way that he belongs in this moment, for sure. He's, mm -hmm. he's up to this level of talent. Um, but I just don't know, man. Like if Oliver, I think if for Oliver, Oliver to sub him, it's going to have to be in a scramble. I think he's going to have to put him to sleep. It's not going to be like he's oh, going to tap sure. Yeah, that's for yeah. God. Probably for both of these well, guys. Yeah, and let's not forget, the only reason he didn't finish Tony Ferguson is because Tony Ferguson let his arm get almost completely ripped sure. out in that fight. Yeah. But I do, to your point though, I don't feel like Islam has shown 
to the level that Oliveira has as far as his ability to drop Oliveira. Oliveira has been dropped, but you're talking about Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier. Dude, Those I'll, aren't Islam. Go When you go watch Islam, Islam has a sneaky left high kick. I think it's the left. He's 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 and, got some. I'm just saying we haven't seen weapons. it against that level of people. Like he hasn't knocked down the level of people. This, where this gets crazy too. I just, I can see a world where where Oliveira goes out there and takes down Islam. I I don't think it's. Cr- I mean, I don't I don't think for Oliveira just initiating a grapple exchange isn't a bad idea because I do think to tap Islam, I think he's going to have to create a scramble. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm no, cutting you off. No, no, you're, no, you were fine. You, you were good. I was just going to say, I just think Islam on top, shoulder pressure. You know, we've yeah, seen, we've seen it. these daggy guys he's, tap guys out from half guard with shoulder pressure. Who, and I just think, I think Oliver is going to really walk him down because that's what he's done to everybody. Who's been walking down Islam? You said who has? Yeah, been? who walks towards Islam the way Oliver is going to? Because the yeah, definitely nobody, nobody. You know, so that that's he doesn't that's even another give people thing. that chance. So as yeah. much as Oliver is going to have to deal with an Islam on top of him, probably that he's never had to deal with. Islam's going to have to deal with somebody who has no regard for a takedown threat, and it's just going to be in his face. That's a good point. Um, with you know, it is different. It's so that, and that's the whole thing is like both of these guys have never faced anybody in the same mm-hmm. realm of what they're about to, to see. Right. And that's why I think there's so much parody attached. It's like just who who even freaking knows, right. you know? Well, and I think there's something about Oliveira's ability to get out of deep water to whereas we haven't seen, I mean, the Sarukian fight, you know, it was close. Islam wasn't able to do exactly what he likes to do to people. And obviously we've seen him get knocked out in the UFC as well. Yeah, it's important to remember um, as well. Islam so has been finished. It's, it'll be interesting to see if Islam gets, say he doesn't get his first couple takedowns or he gets, it, you know, Oliveira puts on a really good subs attempt or gets right up. What happens to Islam's confidence going deeper into this as he's looking over at his corner and saying, hey, man, you got to win this. Like there's there's a level of we haven't seen Islam pull out of deep water at the same level as we have as Oliveira. So I think that's another interesting point as well. John, get us set up for the bantamweight title co-main right. event. All right, fellas, we have champion Aljamain, the Funk Master Sterling, facing off with former champion and current challenger, Tyler Jeffrey, Lieutenant Dan Dillashaw. I wanted to look up what TJ stood for because we've never said it. Tyler I, Jeffrey? Yeah, Tyler Jeffrey. I like and I didn't, I didn't realize that his nickname was Lieutenant Dan. I never, I don't think I've ever put that together. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like uh, Aljamain coming off of two fights against the former champion, Pieter Jan. The first being a DQ that was awarding him the title. Last fight being a split decision victory that was highlighted by his grappling. Dillashaw coming off a layoff of an injury after his split decision win over Corey Sanhagen. The fight before that being a failed attempt at flyweight against Henry Cejudo where afterwards he felt a drug test and faced a suspension, which I only bring up because Sterling has already been bringing up multiple accusations saying that um, I already still, know I'm fighting a juiced up TJ. He's going to be microdosing. He's got a doctor helping him. Yeah. And TJ basically just saying this guy's already given himself excuses sure. to lose. Um, so it's interesting to see where that head match is going to be between them two, which you don't, we have seen TJ fight off emotion before and it's not great. Um, and then Al Jermaine, you know, he's kind of been a, a blunt of a joke for a long time yeah. and, you know, getting that win kind of helped him, but it's something that he's already had to deal with. Um, it, on paper, it's a striker versus grappling matchup, but what's interesting is TJ is a D1 wrestler. Mm-hmm. He's not just a striker, but that's just kind of where his style has linked toward. And then on the grappler side though, Al Jermaine has been able to finish the guy who some people arguably thought beat TJ in sure. his last fight with Corey Sanhagen. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, um, to see who can implement their game. I thought, 
Sterling did a really good job with he didn't get as many takedowns in that fight, like two for twenty or something. Yeah. But he exposed Jan's back and was able to attack that in scrambles. Sure. And it'll be interesting to see if TJ kind of plays into that same game or if his wrestling will be enough to keep Aljamain off his back and keep standing up in the fight. Yeah, this match as fun as any on here. I mean, just the intrigue of the stylistic matchup here. Mm. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Are oh, we going to say no, something? No, I'm going to... Okay, go ahead, John. Go ahead okay. and make your pick. Um, you know, this is a little bit difficult for me because I felt like we saw a day and night version of Aljamain between the first and second fight with Jan. I felt like he got really outclassed on the feet and looked really bad in that first fight. And then the second fight, he was able to completely change his game plan and really get to Jan in those later rounds with his uh, grappling. Sure. But I do think TJ's wrestling and grappling acumen kind of helps him in this situation. And I just feel like TJ has that type of style that puts out guys who are a little bit more funky with their stand-up to try to get to their grappling. So for that, I'm going to take TJ Dillashaw, third-round TKO. I'm riding with the champ, Al Jermaine Sterling, on this fight. Um, I just think the only other grappler that Dillashaw has faced that's even on the same level as Aljo was Henry Cejudo, and mm -hmm. Cejudo knocked TJ out in the first round, so the grappling wasn't really a factor at all. Right. Um, but I do think... Um, I do think the grappling will be a big factor here, though. Uh, both guys, like you mentioned, have great wrestling, but when Aljo gets guys down, he's probably the best in the division in terms of just finishing ability with the jujitsu. Um, I think he learned a lot in that first yawn fight about pacing himself, and by taking TJ down or initiating that grappling, um, he can not only control TJ, but he controls the pace of the fight by doing that. I do think Aljo's going to need a finish, though. TJ is so good at squeak, or uh, Tyler Jeffries is so good at squeaking out those close decisions. Like, mm -hmm. he just that veteranship of it just being there in title fights and all that stuff. Um, so I think I think Sterling's best bet is to hunt for that sub finish. Um, Dillashaw is tough. Never been subbed in his career. It's important to mention that. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan don't play that. No, yeah. Uh, but once again, um, I don't think he's necessarily faced a guy in the same level of jiu-jitsu as Sterling either when you look through his record. Um, Aljo needs to maybe look for some type of back exposure and just pounce on it, kind of like he did in that Sanhagen mm -hmm. fight. Um, so give me Aljamain Sterling by second-round sub because I think it needs to be early. Mm -hmm. He cannot. Uh, he's not going to be able to play with TJ. And if TJ starts defending takedowns and or Aljo can't find, we could be in for a long night for Aljo because TJ is one of the best strikers in the division. John, you said uh, third-round TKO for TJ, yep. right? Okay. So, yeah, I thought... I, I thought TJ lost to uh, Corey. Me too. Um, I just went back and watched it. Yeah, I, I rewatched it as well. I, and he lost to Cejudo. Um, I just think, I, to put it bluntly, I just think Sterling's honestly the better fighter. Um, it's weird to say that because I was so anti-Sterling when he fought Jan. Same. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that Sterling definitely gets the win here. Um, I think if he gets a hold of TJ, I don't think TJ is going to have much of an answer for him. I, I do think he gets the back, and I think he's, he finishes him. Um, I don't think TJ is going to be able to hurt Sterling on the feet. Um, I just, ha I don't know. I just have a feeling that he's not even going to be able to get it going um, like he has been mm. recently. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Sterling as well, and I think it's going to be a sub. But I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with what I say on the first. I'll take third round sub for. Uh, Sterling as well. Important to remember, too, in that Sanhagen fight, Sanhagen had a filthy heel hook on TJ Dillashaw, which destroyed his knee. Right. Um, and is the reason why Dillashaw has been out. So Dillashaw is coming back from an injury as well. So Long layoff. Long layoff. Don't know where that knee's at, but, I mean... Marlon Marais put out Aljamain Sterling pretty cold with a head kick. And TJ Dillashaw, I feel, has better striking than that. Yeah, th I'm telling There's, you guys... It's going to be a, this, whoever can get to their game plan for sure. This is one of the 
I mean, obviously the main event's huge, but this is that fight is the co-main's literally probably the next exciting fight for me on this card. We'll wait till we get to the next one. <laughs> number one ranked Piotr Jan versus number twelve boys Sean O'Malley, the former champ Piotr Jan, coming into this fight off his bantamweight title loss to the aforementioned champion. Uh, Aljamain Sterling back in April he famously lost his title to Aljo last year with that illegal knee which led to a DQ in the end of his title reign uh, Piotr then went on to beat Corey Sanhagen before that rematch loss and um, his or he then beat Corey Sanhagen before that rematch loss in his last bout forgive me um, so one and two in his last three is what I'm saying but both those mm-hmm. losses to Aljamain so it's important to remember that and one of them is a DQ his opponent boys Sugar Sean O'Malley coming into this fight off his no contest fight against Pedro Munoz back in July it was an inadverted eye poke by O'Malley which ended the fight in the second round before that fight O'Malley was on a three fight win streak his only UFC loss was to Marlon Chito Vera back in 2020 um, for a guy who's had this is I was thinking about this and this is crazy about Sean O'Malley but for a guy who's had nine UFC fights I feel like there's just still so many question marks around <laughs> Sean O'Malley and his potential ceiling and it's just crazy because um, I feel like that Pedro fight was supposed to supply us with the answers um, instead it just left us with yeah. probably more question marks he but showed some glimpses, but he did. But to, there's for just the, be un- anticlimactic like that. Well, and there's just always these like weird circumstances that are attached to so many of O'Malley's fights, and I mean, it just it always just leaves you wondering. Or, or I mean, and he's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's mm-hmm. he's shown, like you said, even in that Pedro fight, there was glimpses of a lot of. I mean, even in the first round, I actually gave Pedro that first round watching it live. Going back, I gave it to O'Malley. When you look at the leg kicks, I mean, I thought Pedro was tearing him up. He was. O'Malley was checking a lot of those. Um, um, but there's no doubt about it, though. Um, we're going to find out how good he is for sure this Saturday because um, he's going against a guy that a lot of people still consider the best bantamweight in the world, let's be honest, and Piotr Jan. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. Um, you know, I know I remember feeling like Corey Sanhagen had a really good fight against Peter Jan, and I think that um, what's good for Jan in that is that Sanhagen's 5'11", fights long, that's what Sean O'Malley is going to bring to a different a different style of striking, but he's at least now seen a high level of somebody with that type of range on him. Um, and then for Sean O'Malley, you you think that like you said, it's like if you you know nine fights in the UFC, I feel like I can only name four of them. I don't yeah. I don't feel like I can name a lot of guys. I could probably if I sit and think real hard, but he has like the Eddie Wineland knockout where it's like, oh yeah, this guy did that. The Almeida fight, but it's just not exactly what you expect from somebody for as much hype as he has. Um, you, I'm act- real quick. Do you guys think them booking O'Malley, who's ranked outside the top ten against the number one ranked guy, is the safest way for them to find out if he's ready? Um, like almost like they're giving him a free shot here because I feel like if he falls short, they will just sell it as well. He lost to the number one ranked guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Doesn't fall much now. He just faces the seventh or eighth ranked guy. Um, but if he wins, he's a bang on number one contender probably. Right. Um, which then in turn creates a bit of a lose lose for Jan. Um, when if you look at it at the top of 130. 35 pounds he needs a big win for a title shot because right. there's a lot of guys looking at the title right now and never making cases yeah i think it changes if especially if sterling loses though if Jan gets a good win and sterling and dillashaw wins i think that sets up something a little bit easier but if sterling wins it definitely puts him in a weird spot win or lose 
Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a weird circumstance anyway. They talk about how, like, every single bantamweight was booked with the exception of Jan and, mm-hmm. and um, O'Malley. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, on some level, I think what you're saying makes sense. Yeah, it's the safest way. Um, yeah. But I, also, it seems like they didn't really have a lot of options. But who knows? And there's a case to make it the other way of, like, hey, we're actually giving him a tough fight. You guys have mm-hmm. been crying about it for yeah. so long. Yeah. But, I mean, there's no doubt about it to me. If O'Malley wins, he is going to get a new contract. I, I, think, I don't think, who, think it doesn't matter if who wins. It could be Sterling or yeah. you said Sterling. Sterling's not going to get a rematch. Well, no, I'm saying if Jan wins, getting another oh. fight at Sterling is going to be hard getting, after oh, losing twice. Sure, okay, sorry. So that's why I'm saying I, it's miss, a, I, I said it's a lose that. lose for Jan, but for obviously for I got you. O'Malley, this is the greatest opportunity you could ask for. Yeah, because no matter Dillashaw or Sterling, yeah, if no, O'Malley wins, he is your number one contender. Yeah, there's no right. argument after yeah. that. Uh, even though he has a loss to Cheeto, who is another right. guy right there making a case <clears> for it. Right. Uh, so John, go ahead with your pick. I'm going to take. Pieter Jan by unanimous decision. I think he's going to beat on him. I know he starts off slow. That's why I think he can go longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's gonna, he's going to have trouble getting to O'Malley, but I just don't know. He has a lot of tricks in his book, and O'Malley hasn't shown that or hasn't fought somebody at that level yet. So there is that unknown, but I do know for a fact what Peter Jan brings. So I'm going to take him by unanimous decision. Yeah, I think for me, simply put, it's just hard to watch Pieter Jan versus Corey Sanhagen and see where O'Malley uh, can have much more success than Sanhagen did, right? I think O'Malley might be able to utilize kicks a little bit better than Sanhagen. Uh, specifically, O'Malley has a really nasty wheel kick that he throws like with no telegraphing, and it's mm-hmm. really fast, um, and he can throw it from really cool angles. Um, but outside of that, other than timing and a nice counter, which he is definitely capable of landing against Jan, um, I don't know how else he really wins this fight. Um, Jan does have a tendency to get off to a slow start, especially in early rounds, first round specifically. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised to see O'Malley maybe even win round one. Um, I don't expect that to be a big deal here, but Jan's going to have to be careful with this only being a three-round fight mm-hmm. um, because he is used to only five-round fights as of late. So he's going to have to be careful because he is a slow starter. Uh, but Piotr, hands down, best boxer in the division. And I think he's eventually going to find O'Malley's chin here. Give me Piotr Jan, second-round knockout. Yeah, I'm going to go with Piotr as well. Um, I think he's, like you said, much better boxer. Um, and I like the fight that O'Malley had against that dude with the green hair. I cannot think Chris of his name. Uh, Chris Mutinez? Yeah, Martinez. O'Malley just couldn't. Uh, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. O'Malley just couldn't put him away. Sure. And O'Malley was just noticeably frustrated. And he did. In that instance, that's where I would expect him to kind of show some other tools in his toolbox to get a fight, take care of a fight. And he didn't show that. Yeah. So, and Jan's not a guy, I don't think that O'Malley's going to have much success just landing that big uh is he right or left-handed I think uh, right yeah. uh but that you know like the way he knocked out Eddie Wineland I don't see that happening with Jan Jan's like you said much better boxer yeah. um it has a really high guard um I can see this actually going to the ground with some of Jan's fancy trips so we'll kind of see what O'Malley's made him down there he's talked a lot uh, about it yeah and I'm, he wants to show it off I, I want to see it I'm excited to see it too but like I said I, I don't see how Jan or how O'Malley has much more success than Sanhagen. So yeah. I'm going to take um, Piotr Jan. Man, that's tough. You took decision, and you took second-round knockout. Ugh, yeah, oh, those are really good picks. <laughs> I guess I'll go with third-round TKO. Yeah, it's it's cra- it's hard, too, when you consider Piotr Jan also training at Tiger Muay Thai, and it's like he's constantly you know, standing in front of some of the best strikers in the world as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, yeah, you see those sparring sessions like, holy cow. Uh, Boys, okay, let's get to our little last picks real quick for the main card. Are you ready? Let's go. These are our one-offs. Just one point to be had. We're only looking for the winner. Boys, the next fight on this card. Can't wait. 
Vanille Dariush versus Matej Gamrot, boys. Dariush undefeated since 2018. Seven-fight win streak. His last win was Tony Ferguson in May of last year. Is returning from a leg injury. Important to remember that. Gamrot comes in on a four-fight win streak. His last win, unanimous decision victory over Armand Tsarukian. John, who do you have? I'm staying on the Gamrot tram, baby. Oh, gosh, this is so tough. I'm going to go Benil Dariush. That's a good matchup, though. It is a great uh, fight. Yeah, I'm taking Gamrot. I just, young and just hungry, I think he takes out Dariush. ADCC European champion, Matej mm. Gamrot. Boys, the next fight, Caitlin Chikagian versus... Say it, John. Ferrara. What's her first name? Uh, Manion. <laughs> What's her last name? Ferrara. Brandon, what's your guess? I'm not even going to try. Manone Fior, boys. <laughs> the title challenger, Chukagian, comes in with a four-fight win streak. Her last win, a split decision over Amanda Hibas back in May. Fior is 9-1 and one and hasn't lost a fight since her first fight back in 2018. She is on a nine-fight win streak in her career. 4-0 and oh in the UFC. Her last win, excuse me, holy cannoli, over Jennifer Maya. John, who you taking? I'm taking Chukagian. I think she just has that nobody but the champ can beat me type of grit she uses her length really well in her fights obviously she's a decorated grappler um so i'm rolling with her i'm going manone fior uh shout out to caitlin chikagian chikagian uh just got her black belt under john danaher as well i think only like like less than three i guess that he's given to women so yeah. congratulations to her that's massive that's not it's a very real black belt um but i am going to go manone fior here fior is massive for this yeah. division she is big she is a devastating striker and where i think chikagian could have obviously a grappling advantage should this hit the mat i just don't see where chikagian's able to take a uh, fewer down um you know chikagian's a girl who likes to stand on the outside and kind of just pick ladies apart and that she can just cannot do that here so for that reasoning you know unless she finds a way to get it to the ground i just don't see how else she gets it done i'm going to take chikagian um she's looked good and i think that uh yeah are I mean, you guys just taking chikagian because you don't want to say manone fior no. Okay. Well, part of it's, this is tough. Like, looking at these picks and being first, I'm trying to do a little bit of strategy here. Brandon's sweating. A little folks. stress, man. Brand, a lot. Brandon's realizing Sheesh. he is crumbling at the end of the year. Brandon, are you on two weeks with no points, I believe? Well, that literally just means two cards. There's probably some cigarettes in his car right now. Just saying. That's a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't even think John's going to And I'm pretty sure weeks. both weeks we've had fights that have fallen off. So. I think John at least gets one point. Yeah. Don, I'm at this point, I think we should just give John a couple points to I make don't it fun. there. Gosh, John, Notre Dame, <laughs> woof. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Who are you going with, Brandon? Uh, Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin. Okay, you already said that. My apologies. We're getting off. Boys, last fight we were going to prepare. Pick for the main event on the prelims, uh, Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. Boys, other than this, his no contest to the current champ, Leon Edwards, Bilal has won seven straight fights in the UFC. In his last win, he defeated Vincente Luque via unanimous decision. Sean Brady comes into this fight a perfect 15-0 in his career. His last win, a unanimous decision over Michael Chiesa. John. I'm, I'm riding the Brady train here, man. Uh, I think that the sub over Jake Matthews is real impressive. We always talk about how impressive it is to get a win over Chiesa. And I think that Bilal had his last fight with Luke. It felt like Luke could have won, and he just didn't. It didn't feel as much of Bilal like, completely dominating um, a fight. Obviously, he got the win. Um, and I think Brady just brings a really good matchup with the wrestling. I think he matches really well, um, but also has some of that power. So I'm going Sean Brady. I'm going Bilal Muhammad. Um, I was 100% when this fight was announced thinking Sean Brady. Then Bilal Muhammad decides five weeks ago 
to pick his butt up and go out <laughs> to Abu Dhabi and set up camp with Habib and team. Habib will be in his corner, and I just think, man, that's a long time to get some knowledge and soak up from Habib. I think it's going to make him a better fighter, and something as small as that, maybe I'm giving it too much stock, too much energy. I like it. That means he wants to win this fight. He knows a number one contendership could be on the line here or something, you know, something ma- massive with a win. Mm-hmm. I think Bilal Muhammad's going to win this. Boys. Brady's actually the favorite. I believe it. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Bilal's ever going to have a title at 170. Really? Um, I just I just think that he's the way he's won lately, he's taking guys down, kind of holding them there, uh, kind of co- almost Colby Covington-esque without the striking. Sure. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to do that to Brady. I honestly think Brady's probably going to go out there and finish him. Um, I, yeah, I'm I'm running the Brady train on this one all the way. There it is, boys. UFC 280. We cannot wait. Let's get to the news. Going on the news. Mm, going on the news. Mm, mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> all right, fellas. We're going to start things off with a couple um, announcements. First of all, fight or remove Alexi Olenek. The legends out of there. All right, John. Let's. let's Guy has a million let's fights. Let's that one. Come on, man. Dude, I mean, look, it's news, man. People need to know. <laughs> let's. What, what, um, what do we got on Chris Dawkins next? John? Also, that's what you start with. Yeah, because there's so much bigger things further down. It's the first thing. Well, let's start with the big. Things. No, you don't start with the big things. Come on, oh, man. Next, the other big news: Hasbula signing to the yeah, UFC. Yeah, there's some big news. Fight deal uh, announced. He has his fight kit that's going to be coming up. I think it's more of that. I think it's more of a merchandise licensing yeah. thing. I don't think he fights. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, but... I mean, if I, CM Pump can fight in the UFC... Hey, anything's possible. James Tony, maybe, but I've, I'm willing to bet it's more of a licensing yeah, thing, but we'll see. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I thought this was interesting as well. Frank Mir saying that he wants to retire fighting on the same card as his daughter. Um, she's currently f- fighting now, and uh, he wants to save his last fight so she can headline it and he can open it up. Maybe right. he can fight Rampage Jackson, John. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Another let's legend. Keep, let's keep Jeez. the big news going, buddy. All right, now we're going to get into fight announcements. Uh, we actually have a cancellation. Uh-oh. Mavzar envelope out of his main event against Bryce Mitchell due to an injury. Say his name. Evolov. Evoloyev. Evolov. It's like tomato, tomato, dude. Evoloyev. Anyways, uh, Ilya Teporia is willing to step in as a replacement. Um, I seen that Bryce Mitchell also called out um, Sadiq Youssef. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have anything official. I've seen a couple things, but I don't feel like I have anything cemented I, yet. I, I think Ilya is a great fight, but I really like Sadiq, man. And Sadiq coming off that quick fight a couple weeks ago where he, he faced a late, late repa- replacement, excuse me, and a lesser opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got to be good to go, ready to go, and that's a massive fight. Right. Bryce Mitchell, Sadiq, Youssef. I mean, Evloev is a great fight, but you don't lose much replacing him with right. Youssef. Um, also, we have Patty Pimblett looking to fight Ignacio... Bahamado. I think that fight's already done. Is already a final. I'm pretty sure. I think it's signed, sealed, delivered. That's, I mean, obviously, as we talked last week, as far as on the buy or sell on Patty, you know. Is it the December 10th? Yes. Yeah. I think I think, that is, I think that um, is official. But if anybody don't remember, Ignacio has a really nasty wheel kick knockout in the UFC. Go definitely look at that. Yeah. Um, but definitely not the name that we were in well, yeah, I mean, hoping for. well, not the name we were hoping for necessarily, but we all did uh, sell him facing a top 15. So it's, right. like, it's like we know what we're talking about. Um, also, in fights that probably should have been more exciting in 2013, Alexander Gustafsson's fighting against Ovin St. Pru at UFC 282. This might be a loser has to retire or yeah. lose the UFC fight. Um, but neither less, those guys are both have really good runs in the UFC. For sure. Um, Kai Kara France will be fighting Alexandre Pantoja, UFC 284. Great fight. Amazing fight. Can't wait for that. Definitely, you know, now with, hey, those two biggest winners from 
Ascar falling off. You know, feel bad for Roy Vall on that, you know, losing that mm-hmm. fight, which would have been huge for him. But next up, right, and, you know, Kai Kara and um, Pantoja, that's 100% number one contender. Mm-hmm. No, no, I mean, not that it wouldn't have been had that fight have happened, but now, now definitely no, no question mm-hmm. about it. Uh, also, we have the rematch being set for Yuri Prohoshka and Glover Teixeira meeting at UFC 282 December 10th. Uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this? We That's don't even massive. know what happened the first one um, as far as how it's going to end. Also for 282, Jan Blahovich and Magomed Ankalaev set for 282. Yeah. It's another uh, it's a title eliminator potentially. Sure. Um, which still it's weird because it leaves somebody like Jamal Hill still without there without a dance partner yeah. who still has a voice in there. Um and then the, for me, the biggest fight that got announced, Tai Tuovasa, Sergey Pavlovich, Whew. added to UFC Orlando, which might be the greatest non pay per view card I've ever when seen. When is that card? December 3rd. It is mm-hmm. stacked. Yeah. I ridiculous. Mean, absolutely a stacked card. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, lastly, I just have a big night for boxing last night. Devin Haney winning his um, second fight against George Cambosos in uh, Melbourne. Another decision, dominated him again. Now they're looking at him against like a Lomachenko or a Tank yeah. Davis. Um, also, Deontay Wilder bouncing back in three punches to knock out Robert Helenius. Um, he, knocked, he knocked him clean out with just a small check right, um, which is good for him. Heavyweight boxing is better when he's winning. And then sure. history being set with Clarissa Shields once again becoming an undisputed middleweight champion of the world. She's the only boxer ever to be undisputed in three different weight classes. Some people would argue that could make her the best pound for pound. She's done with MMA then? No, she's doing both. I think she did. I mean, she didn't fight once for Bellator this season, I don't think. No, she's PFL. Or I, That's what I meant, PFL. Yeah. Sorry, I don't think she fought once this season, though. Well, at this point, she doesn't have anything left for her in boxing, I feel like. So maybe she does go back to I did just see a video of her and Cyborg sparring, and it was intense. But that's what I got for the news, fellas. You touched on the Deontay Wilder? Yep. Okay. Well, while John's worried about um, Alexi Olenek and... What else? Sorry, I'm Retirement fighters. Of, the big news, something that he missed, but I'm here for you, John. Don't worry. Uh, Johnny Bones Jones, the return is happening. Apparently, he was offered. Um, they were looking at the end of the year, I believe. Um, when is 282? Uh, December. December. There's a chance it might be him versus Stipe. It sounds like they were trying to do Nganu, but obviously Nganu's injured. So, I guess Stipe? I can't remember. Somebody's holding it up. Um I think it's Jones. I think they're trying to get him to fight Stipe on that 282 card with Glover, mm-hmm. Yuri. Um, and the, right now, the, the talk is if he does come back and fight Miocic, that will be the main event. But if he doesn't do it, then he's going to wait, and it's going to be March of next year against Francis. Um, but uh, And then the Yuri fight will be... Glover will be the main event. Mm-hmm. So Stipe is his best fight in the heavyweight division. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you couldn't. I mean, especially for the layoff for Jones and then <clears throat> Stipe, who's been off for a while as well. Obviously, that way he's coming off that knockout. You mm-hmm. know, for Jones, I agree. And I, I, If he wants to go in and fight Francis, more power to him. But I think for sure, uh, I don't want to call Stipe a tune-up fight by any means. But if you're going to face somebody that you have to face at the top, right, to yeah. get a fight. I mean, Francis you can always fight. fight Chris Dawkins. Yeah, so I really hope we see John Jones this year, but there is legitimate chance, apparently, that we will. So UFC is more exciting when he's there. It's like the Connor guy. There's, yeah. there's certain guys that when they're active, you know, it excites fans a little bit more for sure. John, what is your song of the week? For song of the week, I'm going Barely Miss by Reason. Okay, I don't know what it is, but we'll He's listen. a TDE artist. Please tell me it's better than Not a One Wish. 
I mean, nothing's better than that that any of us have said. <laughs> but. Still can't believe this guy just like throws one, and then didn't even like. Then on the podcast, he's like, "Yeah, because you know." Well, if you listen to the podcast, really then you know. If you don't, that ain't my fault. Yeah, but like, and then he's just like, he didn't even tell. Like, oh, you know, there was nothing with it. You just have you heard the songs there. that Tai Two Avasa comes out to? Barbie girl, I would take Barbie girl. If you said Barbie, but that girl, doesn't I'd make any. That. It makes the same amount of sense as one wish. No, because it's a walkout song. Nobody in the history. But here's the thing: Are you a fighter? Nobody. Can no. you can you gatekeep songs fighters can come yes. out to? No. Yes, as a fan. Who I are can. you though? I'm a fan. But you don't have that authority over yes, all I fighters. I 100 percent do. So if I did one fight as an amateur and came out to one wish, you can no longer say that. Sure. So you can come out to any song. It don't matter. Until you do a fighter, somebody comes out to one wish, I can say no, You can say that about any song. No, you can't. Yeah. No, you can't. Cause You're just one fan. You don't even matter in the in the length of people oh, who's the music over oh, entrance trust, songs. Trust count. me, I 100% matter. No. What I say does matter. Fans don't even go at you in the comments on our stuff, dude. Well, they kind of just proved his point right there. No, because they don't care. It's 100%. He's not big enough. And well, it's probably because he's that big and they just don't want to step no. up. Well, They're coming at you. They're coming at me. They're it's because when I pronounce names right, there's nothing you can really say. There's so many right. clips of you going, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm out of focus today. I didn't have my coffee. Hey, all on, it takes, dude. all it, I drink my coffee before every episode. I've never had that experience. Well, now you switch to something a little bit The thing different. is, if you listen and watch one fight, you would know these people's names. It's not that hard. No, you have to practice it. You tell us before. Dude, I've been practicing this for four hours. I want to make sure I, I say it There was right. two names that I recall that I've had to practice, like actually say, but Manon Fior and Viviani Araujo. Not two oh, of you them. practiced that. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You, you said Viviani wrong. No, uh, Viviani. Well, I oh, keep on Vivian. saying it wrong. Viviani, but I'm same just saying. Same thing. You keep looking over at me, man. This is no. I'm just telling you, it's the same thing. No, John. You, you, all you gotta Listen, do is at do the end a of the day, you research. can't gatekeep entrance songs. Here's the thing: you are not that guy. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I 100 percent am. Uh, to who you? To everybody. No. Until people tell me no, I'm not, I am. You are not the I'm voice him. of entrance songs. Yes, I am. You are I'm the him. Brendan Schaub of entrance song opinions. No, I am him. No, you're not. And you're not. You're not him. I am definitely. You're him. not him. I'm definitely him. You're not. And him. I can't even get on Brandon for mispronouncing names because. He watches fights on mute, so of course he's not going to get the names right. But you, it's not mute; it's Spanish. I'm just saying, there's a reason John's in last place, guys, and clearly he's. Well, not I watching won fights. last year, so I don't know about these guys. <laughs> oh, geez. Neither one of you have ever won, so I don't expect you to hey, know anything about that. I'm just letting you know: you keep getting complacent. This is what you have to look forward to next year. So you <laughs> might want to get back on your stuff. All I know is how to win. I don't know about you guys. Hey, but. this is oh. a big core. We'll see what happens. This could this could go very bad. And for here's you the guys. thing: the first one is the one that's most memorable. Everybody knows that. I don't even remember. The last first president, remember. everybody knows that one. John, I I am him when it comes to mm, songs. Not, not really, a hundred percent. And until somebody comes out to One Wish by Ray J, I mean, it could happen. It could have already it's happened. You don't list. know. I am the little B. John's no. gonna be researching all week. No, just I don't for have like to. One person, to come out he's not gonna find it. Listen, <laughs> listen. I am little B. I am I am base God when it comes to entrance songs. Mm. It's never happened, and it will. Listen never to happen. some little B songs, and then take your opinion on what he feels about that. Hey, mm. the curse is real. Brandon, what's your one for the people? Oh, I don't have a great one. I I watched. Uh, we went and watched Halloween Ends last night, like that tr- trilogy fun finale for Halloween. Any fun? I actually really enjoyed the first two, and this was the third. And I was it was a little bit of a letdown, guys. Yeah. I was really kind of bummed by it. Um, Flicks Brewhouse killed it. I still love Flicks, but yeah, uh, that movie, place. yeah, that movie was just. You think you could cool. take Michael Myers in a fight? The Michael Myers from this movie, one hundred thousand percent, I would destroy him. <laughs> wouldn't even be close. Like he wouldn't even land a punch. What's your number one? What's your first thing? What are you going to first? Blast double egg. <laughs> like, that's literally. What if you just like charge into him though and he doesn't move? Or what if he just sprawls? Listen, if you watch the movie, wrestler. if you watch the movie, you understand why I say that. I 100% blast double straight into S mount arm bar and then just whatever I want to do. think you could take the I scream know. guy? Yeah. 
He's a little tougher, though. He's a little more wiry. Yeah. He's wearing a mask, though, so you point. might yeah. be able to get by him. It's a good point. John, what is your one for the people? I bet it's not anything to do with Notre Dame. No. It's not nothing to do for Purdue over there, either. Um, well, who won last night? Okay. I mean, how many games have they won this year? Five. We're five and two. No big deal. Mm. What's Notre Dame? Doesn't really matter. Three and three. Just lost to two and four Stanford. Yeah, but we almost beat Ohio State. <laughs> you lost to a two and four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only one of the biggest college football programs in the nation. Yeah. Count up the national championships. Oh. Anyways, my one for the people is a shout out to my girlfriend. She's been uh, oh god. All right, books. Baby, right, This has been the neon building. She's been reading books uh, <laughs> seventy days in a row. She's been reading. Um, ran through like almost twenty books at this point. John, mm. what is this going to get you? Um, hopefully I don't have to pick dinner tonight. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a big one. That's a dub. Uh, my one for the people. Um, How not, do you follow that? It's, it's, I feel... So, I, apparently I need to start singing One Wish by Ray J. I think that'd yeah, be my best. I'm just saying. I should have. If I would have had it queued up, I would have started playing it while John was giving his one for the people. People would probably that's, like it. That's where One Wish comes in handy. Um, I'm actually going to give, because I just saw it, it was hilarious. Shout out to the Tennessee Volunteers beating number one Alabama last night. Um, then the fans storm the field. Mm -hmm. Tear down the goal post. Mm -hmm. Carry the entire field goal post. Like, not just a post. The entire field goal out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Through the whole campus, they are, there's videos of them. It became a thing on like national TV where everybody's like, I want to see where this, where, where are they taking this thing? Because they won on a field goal. Mm -hmm. So they take the entire field goal and just throw it in the river. <laughs> so. How do you deal with something like that? Does that make them rioters and looters? That's it. Oh I'd have to go look. That was interesting. Here we go. <laughs> Don't even give anybody ideas, John. That's the last thing in America needs. <laughs> but it probably does. <laughs> That's all we got, boys. Come back next week, folks. UFC 280 recap. I got a feeling there's going to be. You might have to drink lot. some coffee for that. Yeah. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot. Uh, this Wednesday, Sean Fallon, Matt mm -hmm. Talk. Check it out in your feed. Till then, we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.